Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning Shot. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Audrey Seek. Today we're talking about the right to repair. Some of you might be old enough to remember the days when you can easily swap out a dud battery on your phone. But nowadays, from smartphones to microwaves, repairing any electronic device can easily cost more than buying a new one. And that's because companies make it hard for technicians to get inside their products, source parts, or update software. And after long resisting calls from campaign groups for this, quote, right to repair gadgets, some big manufacturers are starting to change their tune. Parts of the U.S. and Europe have now started introducing new legislation to give consumers more power to repair their devices. And perhaps in a sign of changing times, Apple, which has opposed this for many years, made a major U-turn just recently to back this regulation. This would finally make iPhone parts and tools available to customers. But will all that have an impact on intellectual property rights? So for more insights on this, we're joined by Anthony Rossborough. He's an intellectual property lawyer and doctoral researcher in law at the European University Institute. Anthony, great to have you on breakfast this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Audrey. Uh, Good morning, Singapore. All right. Well, let's first tackle the notion of ownership. How has that changed over the years, especially, you know, in the current digital economy? Yeah, well, you know, when you used to buy a device 20, 30 years ago, what you were buying was the whole device. And, you know, now with network connectivity and software integration, so much of what you're buying is not actually in the physical device, right? Mm -hmm. It's, It's just a platform to connect to something much bigger. Think of streaming music, for example. And so what that's changed is it's created a lot of uncertainty in terms of what it is you're buying and what you own at the end of the day when you have a device. Uh, That's a great point. Uh, We've also seen some difficulties that consumers and independent repair shops have been dealing with. You know, there are issues of limited access to information and tools and even parts. So are you able to tell us how wide ranging these challenges are? Yeah, you know, this ranges from everything, like you mentioned, consumer electronics, but it includes things like medical devices in hospitals. It includes agricultural equipment on farms. You know, it includes uh, cars. Automotive uh, technicians also have these difficulties. And so it's sector specific in terms of the types of challenges that are faced. But, you know, one example in consumer electronics is, believe it or not, trademark law sometimes comes into conflict here because you have folks importing refurbished parts that bear a trademarked logo on them, uh, and then they're blocked at the border and and discarded. Um, Or, you know, you have computer software that the device uses that in order to authenticate a repair, once a repair is physically complete, often the the onboard computer has to authorize the device to work again. And to achieve that authorization, sometimes you need to have a special software key or, you know, an encryption code that those can also be impediments to repair as well. So, you know, it really depends on, on the device. Information is often really needed for really obscure devices like medical equipment, where Mm -hmm. the know-how to fix it is not widely available on the internet, for example. Um, So it really depends on the device, but it's really wide-ranging across all kinds of different devices and all kinds of different IP rights. Yeah, we didn't even think about that. We've been focusing so much on phones that we forget to think about the other sectors that this is affecting. So let's approach this from a legal perspective now. Uh, What are the key arguments being made by manufacturers in defense of, you know, limiting repair options, particularly surrounding the protection of IP, how much bite do these arguments hold as well? 
Well, you know, they hold different bite for different folks, depending on, you know, where you sit in this whole, uh, in terms of what sort of stakeholder you are in this equation. But often manufacturers will contest that allowing broader access to repair will put public health at safety, right? So if you can have people repairing devices that could be dangerous, you often hear this argument that that will cause, you know, create liability concerns for the manufacturers. You also hear, um, you know, cybersecurity is another reason why we shouldn't allow more wide access to repair because things like your personal data could be more easily disclosed. Um, so we hear those types of arguments. And sometimes we just hear the classic, you know, we don't want to, you know, allow access to our intellectual property that we've worked so hard to develop yeah. um, that we don't want to share with others. Thinking about it even harder now, might the right to repair potentially actually backfire on us consumers, you know, in the form of maybe higher prices, lower quality devices, maybe, and less innovation? Well, it depends how we go about, you know, realizing upon this right to repair. You know, if, if the goal is to pass legislation that mandates that manufacturing Manufacturers provide access to these things, um, then you know that could be up to the manufacturers is to set higher prices. Um, but if we take another point of view and say, well, we should really go towards the IP and make sure that manufacturers can't really rely on their IP protections to prevent repair, um, then that kind of you know takes the kind of the fulcrum out of the equation in terms of raising prices, and it, it allows broader access to repair regardless really of um, of what the manufacturers are obligated to provide. So it depends on how we look at it. Is it is it just something that is a negative right? In other words, no one can prevent me from repairing something? Or is it a positive right? Like, is it is it something forced upon manufacturers that they have to do something? And obviously, with the latter point of view, you could see a greater likelihood that prices will increase. But, you know, when you look in Europe, uh, Europe has passed all sorts of kind of more on the positive side of that requirements on manufacturers to take certain steps. Like, for example, mandating that USB-C is the default charger across all sorts of electronic mm-hmm. devices. And we haven't seen prices increase as a result. In fact, we've seen a lot of manufacturers be complicit and kind of, you know, move in favor of that type of action. So I, I think that might be a really cynical view that prices will just go up. I think mm-hmm. manufacturers generally seem to be willing to go along with some of these regulations when they're not too kind of, you know, too much of an imposition. Yeah. Can we uh, strike a better balance though? Like, so technology has gotten more complex as it advances. So what are the potential compromises or solutions that can be adopted to help, you know, strike this better balance between protecting IP while also, you know, fostering repairability? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, it's not necessarily the case that repair has to be something that that really encroaches on IP. Mm. You know, if we think about why we have intellectual property rights, you know, there's sort of limited term monopolies to bring ideas into the public realm, right? And preventing repair is not really consistent with that kind of rationale for IP, right? It's kind of using IP like a censoring mechanism, like preventing us from being able to share ideas and technique and know-how. That's not really why we have intellectual property. So in terms of a balance, I think that, you know, we shouldn't look at these two things as so much being in conflict as they as they seem to be. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the other point of view is that, uh, you know, manufacturers could do a lot more to disseminate their repair information and have, you know, if, if the solution is to have more authorized technicians to ensure public safety, um, then, you know, let's have a better system of getting technicians authorized. Um, let's have more choice for independent businesses that can provide access to this type of repair. And, you know, through certification or other types of, you know, approval regulatory processes to get people up to speed so they're doing things safely and, you know, then, then that's the route we need to go, you know. But I think, you know, to look at the two things as always in conflict may be uh, doing us all a disservice. All right. Well, a lot to dissect there. Thanks, Anthony, for the great insight and for your time this morning. Thanks very much. Have a great morning. We've been speaking with Anthony Rosborough. He's an intellectual property lawyer and doctoral researcher in law at the European University Institute. He was sharing his thoughts on the right to repair legislation and its impact on intellectual property rights. Keep it here on Money FM 89.3. 
To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.